Well, good morning, Overlake. My name is Rory, and I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And I just want to say welcome, and we're so glad that you're joining us this morning. Uh, before we dive into things, I want to turn your attention to our handout. Uh, you got one of these when you came in. And inside this bad boy, uh, you can find one of our connection cards. And we would love it if you would just take a moment during service today, fill this out as much as you feel comfortable with. And then as the offering buckets are passed later on in service, you can just drop these in there. Also, uh, your notes for today's message. You'll find those in there as well. Uh, but before we begin, I want to let you know, I know that many of us in this place have actually been growing through our summer growth spurt series. However, in student ministries, the way that we nurture growth is through summer camps. And we just finished a kind of month-long crazy camp season, and we wanted to show you a little video of what took place. So why don't you take a seat and enjoy this? Let me share with you just a, a few cool things. Uh, this summer, we baptized over 40 students, and that doesn't even include any of our high school students, which will be getting baptized this September. Uh, we set record attendance numbers at our high school camp and tied our attendance record for middle school camp. So God is doing great things. But I also want to pause and just uh, simply thank two groups of people. Number one, I want to thank those of you who donated to our camp scholarship fund. You helped raise over $8,000 for camp scholarship funds. And you literally, literally, there are kids who would not have gone to camp, but you guys made it possible. So please give yourselves a round of applause. That is awesome. And then the second group of people I want to thank is uh, kind of, there's some people actually dotted in this room. There are over 100 volunteers who made summer camps possible for our students this year. And if you are here, I don't know if anybody's here or not, would you stand up? If you helped, if you volunteered anywhere in student ministries, everybody's down in the student room right now. How about we give them a round of applause? So anyways. Now, today we're going to be wrapping up our series entitled Summer Growth Spurt by taking a look at prayer. And I want to begin with sharing a story. 
there was a family that acquired a little kitten. And in this family, there was a little boy and there was a little girl, and they were out in their front lawn and they were playing with their little kitten. They were having so much fun. Then all of a sudden, a big old car came zooming right past their house and it frightened the little kitten. And so the kitten crawled up a tree and got stuck between two sharp branches. So the little boy and little girl, they started to panic. They were calling for the little kitty to come down, but it wasn't coming down. It was stuck. And so they ran inside the house and they got their dad. Now their dad happened to be a pastor. Now, if you need to understand this about pastors, we're not the most industrious of people. We don't always have the best ideas, but out comes dad and he sees the situation and he says, I got an idea. He runs into the garage, he grabs some rope, he runs back outside, he takes the rope, he wraps that rope around the tree, then he takes the other end of that rope and wraps it around the back end of his station wagon. You can see where this is going. He hops in the car, he begins to push on the gas, he's driving, the tree is now bending slowly, slowly, he pushes on the pedal a little bit more, the tree bends slowly, slowly, he pushes on the gas pedal just a little bit more, little boy and little girl, they're clapping, yay, daddy, and then all of a sudden, snap, <whistles> pop, and the kitty's gone, and that's the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. The story continues. A couple of weeks later, this pastor is now making house calls in the neighborhood. And he shows up to one of these houses, knocks on the doors. A lady comes to the door. And as she comes to the door, she also, he also notices that there's the little kitten. And he says, ah, oh, that's a fine kitten you have right there. How long have you had it? And she says, pastor, you won't believe this. Last week, my son and I, little Johnny, we were in the backyard and he kept pestering and pestering and pestering for a little cat. Mommy, can we have a cat? Mommy, can we have a cat? No, Johnny, you cannot have a cat. But he just kept on pestering and pestering and pestering. So finally I said, okay, Johnny, here's what we can do. We can get on our hands and knees and we can pray to the Lord Jesus. And if Jesus decides that it is his will to give you a cat, then he will give you a cat. And then guess what, pastor? You won't believe this. Now, here's the moral of the story. When you pray, things happen. When you pray, things happen. Now, some of you might be asking the question, well, is that true? Do things really happen when you pray? Again, today we're going to wrap up this series looking at prayer, but I've got to imagine that with a number of folks in this room, there are some of you who are in here this morning and you have a prayer on your heart. Maybe there's an answer to prayer that you would really, really like. Maybe it's for a marriage to get put back together. Or maybe you have a child who's a long way from God and you want so much for them to just come back home. Maybe you want deliverance from a chronic worry or, or sadness in your life. Maybe you need healing in your body. I don't know if any of you are on Facebook, but did you see Pastor Pat's hand yesterday? He was out playing volleyball. I think we have a picture of this. This is his hand after getting stung by a bee playing volleyball. See, Pastor Pat is in need of some healing this morning, right? And if that is the case, if you came in here with a prayer on your heart, I want to tell you, I really think that you are in the right place this morning. In fact, we're going to spend the lion's share of this message talking about just one 
inescapable truth about God. And again, if you have a prayer on your heart, I am believing that this truth is not only exactly what you need to hear today, but I also believe that it will be a catalyst for your prayer life. You see, every person of deep prayer that I know is absolutely marked by this conviction. And on the other hand, people who don't share this conviction will consistently find their prayers to be an uphill struggle. Their prayer life just seems to be this battle, right? And our, our world, our culture, the, the place that we live in, it tends to erode this conviction in us. But the people who know God really well, I've just seen this so many times, they're just gripped by this conviction. It's what gives them a sense of security in faith, even in the midst of immense pain. So what is this conviction? Well, it can actually be expressed in a phrase, a phrase that we find in a prayer written in a letter by a man named Paul when he wrote the church in Ephesus. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And as I read this prayer, I want you to just receive it. Receive it as Paul's prayer for you. It says this, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work with us in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, there are certain passages in the Bible that when you just read them, they're so rich that you, you almost feel like you shouldn't say anything after them. This is one of those, but I, I have the duty to say something. And, and what I want you to know is, is tucked into verse 20, we encounter a very, very big idea. It's our one big conviction. It's this one truth. In fact, if there is just one thing that you walk out of this building with, I pray that it is this truth. We find it in the words, now to him who is able. Here's our big idea, friends. Our God is able. Our God is able. Your God is able. Able, and able to do what? Able to do whatever needs to be done in this world and in your life. No problem can stop him. No obstacle can thwart him. No circumstance can worry him. No outcome can confuse him. Our God is able. Now, I know that so often the circumstances in which we find ourselves, the prayers that have not been answered the way that we desperately ached they would, they can make us doubt or even question this truth. But then I remember that Paul wrote these words, this prayer, when he was in chains, in prison, suffering, persecuted by Rome, waiting to die. And he says, now to him 
who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory. And it's like Paul is saying, I know, I know, I know that you're going to underestimate this God. The world that we live in is going to make you think too little of him. So what I want to do is make this terribly clear to you. I kind of want to hit you over the head with this. Our God is able And he is able to do stuff. He's not just some cosmic bystander. He is active and involved in his universe, but he is actually bigger than that. See, our God is able to do what we ask. In fact, that's why we pray. But he is bigger than that. He is able to do stuff that we imagine, the kind of stuff that we don't even think about asking about. But he's actually bigger than that. He's not just able to do most of what we ask or imagine. God is able to do all that we ask or imagine. But he's still bigger than that. He's not just able to do all that we ask or imagine. He is able to do more than all we ask or imagine. And yet he's still bigger than that. He is not able to do just a little bit more. Our God is able to do immeasurably more. The old King James says exceedingly, abundantly more than all that we ask or imagine. You see, there is nothing that is logically possible and consistent with his character that our God cannot do. And so we need to camp out on this truth for a while because we swim in a world, we swim in a culture that says the real forces that move reality are political forces or economic forces, or forces of scientific discovery and education. And it's easy to get swallowed up in this culture that seems to push him off to the sidelines as a cosmic bystander. But I am convinced, I am convinced that I will not pray, and you will not pray, and we will not pray very much if we don't believe at the very deepest place of ourselves that our God is able. And you will not believe that God is able if you don't actually spend some time getting to know this God. So we're going to spend a little time in Scripture today and reflect on the God that we meet in the writings of Scripture. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a peek at a big theological word here, the the meta-narrative. What we did when we read the passage from Paul is we kind of take a snapshot, but what we're going to do right now is we're going to kind of take a look at the entirety of the Bible, the big picture of the Bible, and we're going to go through and we're going to see that this meta-narrative, it actually screams that our God is able. In the beginning, God is able to say, let there be light, and light happens, All the physical universe came into being because God willed it to be so. And this was no strain on God at all to do. And it's very important to understand that nothing in science actually disproves this. There is no study in any peer-reviewed academic journal that has proved anything other than this. In fact, science shows that everything that exists has a cause. And surely this includes the universe. The greater the universe, the greater the one who was able to create it. And our God is able to create the universe, and he could do it with one hand tied behind his back. A friend of mine once said that the problem is we think we live in this great big universe with a little God. We think of God as this character on the roof of the Sistine Chapel. But that is not reality. 
The reality the Bible describes is a great big God with a tiny little universe, and he is able to run the whole thing with no strain at all. See, friends, our God is able. So what does the Bible teach our God is able to do? Well, he is able to interact and suspend the laws of nature anytime he wants because he created them. And again, this is reality. This is our God. He is able to part a body of water so that people can cross over it on dry land. He is able to calm a storm in a sea just by saying the words, peace, be still. He is Lord over time. So when Israel needs a longer day to win a battle, Joshua prayed and God extended the day. Our God is able to make a day last as long as he wants it to last. Is there anybody here who needs more time? Our God is able. He is able to make the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. He is able to make a boy named David defeat a giant named Goliath. He's able to make a drought. He's able to make a flood. He is able to make a rainbow as a reminder of his promise. And God's power is not limited to the laws of nature. Our God is able to bring deliverance from impossible situations. Some of you are facing one right now. He is able to deliver Daniel from the lion's den. He's able to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a fiery furnace. He is able to deliver a boy named Joseph from Pharaoh's prison, a boy named David from Saul's anger, Israel from Egyptian slavery, Esther from Haman's genocide, Elijah from Jezebel, Paul from a Philippian jail. Does anybody need deliverance this morning? Because our God is able. Not just that, our God is able to provide. He's able to give manna to feed his people every day for 40 years. He's able to bring water out of a dry rock. He's able to order ravens to bring food to a man named Elijah by a little brook. He's able to take two fish and five loaves and feed 5,000 people and have 12 baskets left over. And the apostle Paul, who knew what it was like to go without food, who understood extreme hunger, he said that our God is able to provide for your every need. There's this funny little story about an old lady. Each morning, she would come out onto her front porch and raise her hands to the heavens and say, praise the Lord. And this would happen just every, every, every day. And then eventually, she got a new neighbor. He was an atheist. And he would watch this old lady come on out and lift her hands to the heaven and just say, praise the Lord. And it started to bother him. So as she would come out and she'd say, praise the Lord, after he was done, he would just yell at her. There is no God. And it's kind of a sad thing, but this happened. This happened day in and day out, time and time again. Praise the Lord, there is no God. Until one day, it was the middle of winter, and this grandma, she came out, and she, like every day, raised her hands to the Lord and said, praise the Lord, but Lord, I have no food, and I am in need. I need you to provide, oh, Lord. So the atheist, he got an idea. He thought... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to buy a few bags of groceries. I'm going to take these groceries to her front porch. And when she comes out tomorrow morning, she's going to know that there is no God. So he follows along with his plan. He gets the groceries. He puts them on his front deck. And then he hides behind some shrubs just waiting for her uh, to come on out. So she comes on out. She raises her hands to the sky. Praise the Lord. You have provided for me. And then out pops the atheist. And he's like, ha, ha. There is no God. I bought those groceries. And then we see the little old grandma go, 
Praise you, Lord. You have provided for my every need, and you made the devil pay the tab. (laughs) Friends, our God is able to provide. And not only that, our God is able to change the hearts of men and women. He is able to soften the hard heart of Pharaoh to let his people go. He is able to strengthen the frightened heart of a man named Gideon to defend his people. He's able to take a genocidal zealot named Saul and make him a self-sacrificing missionary named Paul. He's able to take an impulsive denier named Simon and make him into a rock-solid leader named Peter. Friends, our God is able... He's also able to forgive sin. And I want you to think about this for a moment. What does it mean to be guilty, stand guilty before a righteous God? This is going to sound kind of stupid, but when I was eight or nine years old, I was a part of a swim team during the summer, and it met just a few blocks from our house up in Kingsgate. And each morning, I would wake up in the morning, and I'd kind of wrap a towel around my shoulders and ride on off to practice. So went off to practice, had practice, and I was on my way back. I had my shoulders around, or my towel around my shoulders, and my towel kind of slipped off. And it's found its way between the, the spokes and the tire, and it got all tangled up, and I went right over the handlebars. Totally got scraped up, bruised up. But was worse, when I looked back at my bike, which was new, by the way, I saw a bent tire and kind of a scraped up paint job. In my little eight or nine-year-old mind, I kind of got freaked out. I I was thinking, what are my mom and dad going to think? Oh, my gosh. So my little eight and nine-year-old mind started to think up a story. So I, I was about a block from home. I ran home and ran into my house, and I told my mom that some bad man had actually pushed me off my bike and ruined my bike. I don't know what I was thinking, but like any good mom, what does she do? She calls 911. And so before too long, we see the police car come on in the cul-de-sac, and you can imagine right now, my heart is sinking. I am feeling so guilty. Some of you know this. You've been pulled over for speeding. You see those flashing lights, and you just, your heart sinks. And I don't know what, what it was, but I just kept making up a story, and my heart just sunk more and more. I made up a fake description, all this stuff. You know what's crazy? This is kind of a dumb little story. But I actually held on to that story for like a decade. I think it was my freshman year in college, I finally told my mom what took place. And it sounds dumb, but the reality was I would wake up in the middle of the night sometimes just so guilty over those things. And I know, again, in a room this size, there are things that we have done that just, they cause so much guilt within our souls. Maybe there's some things in your past that you're not proud of and and you let that define you. And I'm just here to say that God doesn't want you to be defined by your past past anymore. He wants you to be defined by what he has done for you. See, our God is able in Jesus to become human and to suffer on a cross and to purchase our pardon and to cleanse our guilt and to free us from the penalty of the law. See, only God can do this. On a human level, we can forgive each other, but nobody can cleanse us from guilt but God. And if you've never asked him to do this, I just want you to know that you can ask him today and he'll do it for you. But not only does God have this power, not only was it present in the Bible, none of this power has diminished. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. His power does not diminish 
His strength does not abate. He is able. He is able. What is he able to do? He's able to take a woman who's been trapped by alcohol for decades and give her sobriety. I've seen this happen. He's able to take a marriage that has been devastated by betrayal and hurt and hatred and put it back together. I've seen it happen. He is able to take a man who has been undone by scandal and sin and make him a new creation. I have seen this happen. He is able to come alongside a family that's been devastated by the news of a terminal illness so that they can now face the future with the truth and hope that death does not get the last word. I have seen this happen. Friends, he is able to heal brokenness. He is able to reconcile relationships. He is able to give wisdom. He is able to provide meaning. He is able to breathe hope. He is able to raise Jesus. Christ from the dead and promised resurrection to the sick, sorry, dark, and dying world. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Somebody shout me down. Now, friends, Because our God is able, what this means for us is that we have a new lens in which we look at Scripture. When I was growing up, I had glasses so thick that on a summer day, I could fry bugs with them. It was crazy. And without those gloves, I was like legally blind. I couldn't see anything. But see, with this truth that our God is able, we get a new lens in which we look at Scripture and everything becomes much more clear So what I want to do right now is as we're rounding third and heading home in this message, I simply want us to look through that lens, the new lens that our God is able, and I just want to quickly talk about three truths about prayer that we can derive looking through this new lens that our God is able and examining scripture. And again, three truths about prayer. Here's the first one, and these are on your outline. First one is this, that the greatest tragedy is the prayers that go unanswered simply because they go unasked. The greatest tragedy are the prayers that go unanswered simply because they go unasked. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, and this is in, completely important, we need to understand that when we ask of God, we need to be in his, will, in his will. And today's message is not some theological treatise on prayer. There is so much more that we could talk about today, but we should understand that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we asked of him. So hopefully by now, I I hope that we can all agree that our God is able. But if we're honest with ourselves, many of us, we treat prayer like a triple A card. We use it only in times of emergency. And I know that I'm guilty of this. But this is truly, truly a tragedy. If we treat God like a triple A card, it is a tragedy. James 4, 2 says this. This is is Jesus' little brother declaring this. You do not have because you do not ask God. In other words, you have not because you ask not. But what if we did ask? What do you think would happen? I was reading a little article on counterfactual theory. It's also known as alternate history. It basically asks the what if questions in history. 
Like, what if the Germans had actually won World War II? What would have happened? Or what if John F. Kennedy had not been assassinated? What would have happened? Or what if McDonald's sold hot dogs instead of hamburgers? What would have happened? Well, I sometimes wonder what would happen if God's people prayed more? What would it look like as a church for us as Overlake? What if we prayed more? What would happen? What if globally Christians, the billion or so Christians, what if we prayed more? What would happen? See, I really do think the greatest tragedy are the prayers that go unanswered simply because they go unasked. Sometimes I wonder if we're just one prayer short of a miracle. Let's not be that church. Let's not be that church. Let's pray those prayers. Let's have because we ask. This leads us to point number two. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes us. Prayer does not change God. It changes us. We read this already, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That does not change. We don't change God. We don't twist his arm. He is not some cosmic vending machine. But our prayers can change us. There's a very captivating story that I I just read. It's about this guy. We're going to throw him up on the screen. You probably know him. His name is Bono. Bono, uh, in late 1990s, early 2000s, was kind of doing a tour through Africa. And as he was going through Africa and seeing what was happening there, uh, he was seeing mothers and fathers dying because of the HIV AIDS epidemic. It was at its pinnacle at that time. Seeing these moms and dads die, seeing little children going without mothers and fathers. And he was absolutely crushed by this. And this was the story that he just kept on seeing time and time and time and time again. Then one morning he woke up and He walked over to a mirror. He's looking in a mirror, and he just kind of cries out to God. He says, God, where are you in all of this? What is the answer to all of this? And then he recounts that he heard a little whisper. And you wonder why God whispers sometimes. It's simply because he's close. And so he hears this whisper He says, why is all of this happening? What is the answer to all of this hurt, all of this pain? What is the answer to this horrible disease? And then he hears a whisper say, you're looking right at it. You're the answer. Well, what takes place is within just a short time span, 2006, Bono and some of his buddies create the Red Campaign. You probably bought some of those items He partnered with Microsoft and Apple and a whole bunch of other multinational companies. And since its inception in 2006, it has now raised over $10 billion to combat and advance the work going on against the HIV AIDS epidemic. And there have been huge strides made. If you've been paying attention at all, there's been huge strides made in this epidemic in huge part to Bono's work. See, he understood that God wanted him to be the answer. It's said that the most dangerous prayer that we can pray is simply two words, use me. And Bono prayed that prayer oh so many years ago. And God used him to change so many people's stories. And this leads us now to point number three. Bold prayers honor God 
And God honors bold prayers. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. If you don't believe me, just look in the book of Acts. It's everywhere. We see prayers that are prayed, and blind people see, and lame people walk. In fact, there are prayers that are prayed in the book of Acts where the whole earth shakes. I mean, it's crazy. And this is the power that's available to us as Christians with the Holy Spirit, God himself residing within us. And if I was to be honest with you, kind of pull back the veil a little bit, This is an area that I'm preaching on today because it's an area in which I struggle. And this truth that our God is able didn't really resonate with me until just a few years ago. Some of you guys know the story of my wife and I. Uh, We had a number of miscarriages. We wanted so badly to be a mom and dad. In fact, she stopped her career. She jumped out of teaching. We wanted to start a family. And it was just so hard for us. Just kept running into miscarriage and miscarriage and And we were devastated by it. And then God opened up this amazing door. Uh, We were able to adopt a little boy named Judah. He's now two and a half years old, and he's our, our pride and joy. We love him so, so much. I mean, it was a miracle. We saw God provide in huge ways a couple in their mid 20s to be able to adopt. That's kind of unheard of. And yet, God opened that door. But the reality was, now as a family of three, we we still kind of felt like there was someone missing. Um, As a New Year's resolution, we picked up a book. It was called The Circle Maker. If you don't know what it's about, it's simply a book about prayer and kind of praying God's uh, truth from Scripture into your lives and and believing him to answer your heart's cry. And we, again, we just felt, we felt like we were missing someone in our family, yet we didn't know if we could have kids. We didn't know if adoption was going to be the the next choice again. And and so we started um, putting a prayer list together. And at the top of that list was we were just praying that we would get pregnant. And again, we didn't even know if if we could. But we started praying about it and praying about it and praying about it and praying and lifting it up to God. And we kind of did it before New Year's. So this is the middle of December. And we just started praying about it and praying about it and praying about it. Each night for like 30 nights, we were just praying about this. Then one night, my wife and I, we were on a date night. We were at White's Nursery in like Edmonds or whatever, and we realized that we hadn't had stockings for our family yet. We hadn't picked them up. So we wanted to buy some new Christmas stockings. And so we see these stockings that we like, and we grab three, and they're kind of expensive, and we're like, okay, but this is so cool. And then we think, man, you know what? What if we just, what if we just step out in faith and grab another stocking and believe God to fill that stocking? Let's just step out in faith. Kind of crazy, I know, but let's just, let's just do that. So we buy these four stockings now and we bring them home. And what is so crazy, guys, the very next day we find out that my wife is pregnant. Very next day. And know what's so cool? This September, our little miracle turns one. And here's a picture of him. Magic. So cool, guys. And I know that a story like this, especially if you've gone through some heartache trying to have children, I don't want this story to do that, but I do want you to just realize that our God is able. And I don't know how God is going to answer your prayer, but I know that he is able to answer your prayer. He's able to meet you where you are at. And so I just want you to know the greatest tragedy is simply the prayers that go unanswered simply because they go unasked. 
Also, oftentimes, our prayers, they never change God, but they can change us. And then the bold prayers, they honor God. And God can honor bold prayers. Why? Because our God is able. So here's how I want to wrap up. I just want to ask you one question. Where do you want to see God work in your life? Where do you want to see God work in your life because he is able? So where do you want to see it? I pray that you would pray those prayers today, believing that God would answer them. Why? Because he is able. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your church and to recognize the truth, truth that should change the way that we pray now, the truth that our God is able. And it is to that God that we say, now to him, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.